Politics, Politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finelli, Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists, business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders. Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli. Good afternoon. This is Dean Finelli with Politics and Life Science Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today, where we talk about all the issues in the life science industry and the politics that drive that industry. I'm very happy to have as our guest today, uh, Mr. Mark Allen. Uh, Mark is an award-winning host and producer. Uh, We'll talk with Mark in a few moments. Uh, Before we talk with Mark, though, let's see what's going on uh, in the COVID world. Uh, We've been trying to keep everyone up to date on factual information here on politics and life science radio. So let's uh, see if we could sift through some of the misinformation out there and uh, provide some factual uh, information that's useful. A majority of voters support a bill to block Biden's vaccine mandate. You know, these mandates have been so uh, politically charged. You know, it seems if you're on one side of the political spectrum, you are for them. If you're on the other side, you're against them. But really, you know, I think we have to sift through a lot of that that underlying politics because, you know, in certain areas, you know, at least it's been my opinion uh, that I don't believe we need a mandate throughout the country. But I think it is important to have the allow people to have the availability to protect themselves when we see these endemic situations where uh, pockets of surges can pop up, especially, you know, when we're considering considering schools. Schools have really been a hotbed issue uh, over the summer. We heard a lot of uh, issues regarding whether kids would be even going back to school, uh, the importance of having kids for school. I think we can all agree that kids definitely learn better at school. But is it safe to have them there? Uh, we've talked about uh, how the Omicron variant is highly contagious. And um, although it is, it's transmissible, transmissibility is very high, the symptoms seem to be uh, a lot less uh, than with the alpha or the delta variants. And uh, more importantly, a lot uh, of the people that are coming in contact with the Omicron variant are not winding up in the hospital. Now, that said, uh, we are hearing a lot about hospitals being almost at capacity. So, you know, we have to sort of dig through the, again, a lot of the politics and understand that, you know, these mandates, while on a personal level, we may not agree with them. They're really there to protect our public health uh, systems from becoming overrun. Uh, even a, a virus that is considered mild will, you know, as transmissible as this is, will put a lot of people in the hospital. Uh, but, you know, what are those numbers? Well, when we talk about kids, uh, there's about the CDC came out earlier this week and had to make a correction, I think, uh, because we heard 
Justice Sotomayor last week during oral arguments mentioned that hundreds of thousands of kids are in the hospital, many of whom are on respirators. So I think that sort of gives us a glimpse at just how pervasive this misinformation is. Uh, CDC Director Walensky came out and said, no, it's not 100,000. Uh, it's about 5,000. Uh, I don't know the exact number, and she didn't mention uh, how many are on respirators, but I think it's important to note that many of the children that do wind up in hospitals uh, have underlying conditions, with uh, obesity being the number one uh, comorbidity that we've talked about and heard about uh, when we're speaking about people over the age of 65. Similarly, when we're talking about younger kids, uh, kids that wind up in the hospital by and large, uh, tend to have comorbidities, obesity being uh, the most uh, frequent that lands children in the hospital, followed by asthma uh, and other um, sort of morbidities that are, are quite serious. So uh, by and large, you know, this is important information as we make this risk-benefit calculus of, you know, is, how safe is it to go out? You know, and we've all, <laughs> we've all talked about uh, in the past on this show you know, the frustration that we have when, you know, you're telling people we can't send kids to school because it's not safe, yet we can turn on a television and see a crowded stadium uh, filled with spectators, uh, you know, even a crowded uh, NBA basketball game or NHL game where people are, you know, in a, an enclosed arena. Uh, this past Monday, we had the college football uh, championship. Uh, there were a lot of people there. And, you know, again, so people need to understand, you know, how do you juxtapose those where you see a crowded stadium, which is apparently safe for people, yet unsafe for children to sit in a classroom with masks on. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, where at least in my opinion, where I come out on this is we have to act reasonable. I think it's certainly reasonable, generally speaking, to get kids back in the classroom. I mean, what we saw in Chicago uh, was just kind of at the other end of the spectrum. I think that was a little over the top. Uh, but by and large, I think children are back in school. I think it's safe for them to be back in school uh, for the most part. Uh, I don't think we're anyone's ready to say, you know, the Omicron variant is putting us in a situation where, you know, we're kind of in the same mentality as flu. Uh, definitely, this is more transmissible than flu. And uh, it does, as far as hospitalizations go, even though, again, milder than the earlier variants, uh, still something to be taken serious and public health officials especially have to make this risk benefit analysis. So certainly we understand um, or we try to understand why they're making these decisions that we tend to scratch our head. But at least, you know, at this point, my opinion on the matter is I think it's safe to have kids in school. Uh, it's safe to have teachers in school. We can do it a safe way. We have to act responsibly, have kids in masks, but get them back in the classroom. Um, when we think about uh, how many people are getting the Omicron variant, uh, the FDA uh, interim commissioner uh, came out and said that this is so transmissible, it appears that everyone's going to get this. We've heard a lot about breakthrough infections. We hear a lot. Uh, we heard the president say this is largely a disease of the unvaccinated. Um, there's been pushback there because there are more than ever from Omicron breakthrough infections for people that have been vaccinated. We know boosters do keep people out of the hospital. They prevent the se severe symptoms. So uh, for those of people that are out there, uh, if you've gotten your full vaccination, meaning your two doses of the mRNA vaccine, go out and get that booster. It will protect you. We are hearing news about 
uh, potentially a fourth booster. Uh, there's some data in Israel uh, where that shows that that could be the case. Uh, we're not there in the United States yet. And I think a lot of people would start to scratch their head uh, saying, you know, look, it's one thing to get vaccinated. Okay, we need a booster, you know, but we need vaccines that are durable, uh, that last, that provide that long lasting uh, immune response and immune protection. So, you know, it's really, um, I think, a little bit untenable to tell people every six months to go back and get a, a booster shot. Uh, we've talked again about, you know, will this, where we'll be uh, at the end of this year. Uh, likely uh, by the end of this year, we're in a situation where uh, we're getting our flu shot, we're getting our coronavirus shot, hopefully on an annual basis, we have a more endemic situation, but that remains to be seen. Um, you know, we'll keep all keep our fingers crossed. And ideally, by the end of this year, we're looking at a, a much different situation. And I think because of the transmissibility combined with the lower severity of the symptoms for the majority of people, uh, at least now it looks like we're on the way to that. I'd like to bring on our featured guest, Mr. Mark Allen. Uh, Mark has a 20 plus uh, year career uh, as a television host, a reporter, a producer. Uh, he's hosted a reality show, a game show, movie, tri movie trivia program, and interviewed thousands of people uh, over the years. So it's really just an honor to have Mark with us. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Dean, it's uh, it's my pleasure, and uh, my uh, 30,001 guest was you. So, Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that, that That's was great. great. So I want to ask you, you know, we've we talked in the past uh, about, you know, this idea of alternative health remedies. And, you know, in this country, we tend to, you know, do what we want. Then when we get sick, we go to the doctor and expect to get better. But, you know, I was hoping one thing the pandemic would lead us to think about is health and, you know, living a healthier lifestyle and trying to avoid sickness as opposed to treating sickness. Certainly, that's the intent of the vaccines. But what are some um, of the areas that you've heard of uh, where, for example, alternative medicines or other types of medicines may help people uh, to avoid sickness? Well, the idea is to boost your immune system. And keep in mind, I am not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a radio and TV guy. But from the, the people that I have talked to, uh, boosting your immune system, especially with vitamin D. And vitamin D is, is, as you know, much more than I do. It's a very important nutrient that we, we need. Our bodies can make it, but if we sit out in the sun, our doctors tell us to put, you know, um, uh, a sunscreen on, which blocks the, the production of vitamin D. So I think we need to supplement with that. Um, there have been some studies from the uh, Organic and Naturals uh, Health Association there in, uh, in D.C. where they've said uh, th th there's a, an almost epidemic low level of D. And there's so many different things that they keep discovering that D helps with. And so I supplement with D. My family does. Um, and I encourage people to to take a look at that the other of course is as you just said you know be healthier don't 
Don't go to fast food as often as you have. Cook at home. Watch my cooking show, Mark Allen Cooks Your Dinner on Facebook and YouTube, because we do primarily healthy food. We, we did a lot of vegan foods last year. Uh, in fact, Dean, you, I have to have you come on that show, and you and I will cook together. Uh, but the idea here is that with the proper supplements, exercise, that's the big one for me, um, and, 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 and eating healthy, I think will prevent uh, uh, the Omicron and other viruses, the flu and whatever else is, is out there in the air. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, because, you know, when we look at illness, as I mentioned, a lot of times, you know, we just take it for granted. I'm healthy. And then when I'm not healthy or people aren't healthy, they expect, you know, an immediate treatment. And, you know, oftentimes one of the things about these vaccines that, you know, we've heard so much about is, you know, they're unsafe. They were produced too quickly. Well, a lot of the therapeutics that are used to treat people who have gotten sick you know, whenever we see those commercials on for therapeutics and uh, other types of treatment, they always have a laundry list. It seems like half the commercials about, you know, why you shouldn't take it or the risks of taking the medicine. So I think it's important to people to note that, you know, although the vaccines were developed very quickly, they were developed in accordance with FDA regulations. There were trials. Uh, this is based on a lot of information over the last uh, 30 years uh, of development, especially when it relates to these mRNA vaccines. Uh, so although new in, in the sense that there's never been an mRNA vaccine, the technology there is really been around for a while. So I think it's really people need to understand that, you know, therapies have their risks as well. And it's always best for people to eat healthier, to act healthier and to, to keep themselves uh, in a healthier state of being, you know, to avoid therapeutics. I, I agree. I mean, the commercials, you know, um, scare me. The, the, the big pharma commercials, uh, many of them scare me. Not that I wouldn't create and produce them, but the, the side effects from these things. There was a, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a product. I don't remember the name of it, but what it did was it was geared for women for urinary incontinence. And they showed a, a woman... Uh, sitting at a table, rushing to the bathroom and, and then coming back. And then they showed again, the same woman walking slowly to the bathroom because she took this, whatever drug there was. And one of the, one of the side effects was memory loss. So I was thinking, gee, if she went from her table to the restroom and back again, she might actually lose not know where she's going. And I mean, some of these can cause, you know, death, bleeding, ulcerations. I mean, it's just, it's really horrific. Uh, you mentioned the FDA. I have a big problem with the FDA because the FDA, I think, needs to be revamped because they tend to bow to big pharma. And you may disagree or not, but it you know you can have a skincare that's made by a major company and they can talk about oh it's going to make your skin lovely and beautiful and youthful but if there's a an alternative small 
company that has made a discovery, has done clinical trials, and they say it because it's alternative, uh, the FDA may come down on them or the FTC. And it's just, it just, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with you, especially recently. Uh, we heard there's a lot of controversy with the FDA's approval of Biogen's Adahelm. Uh, was the first approved uh, Alzheimer's medication in almost 20 years. So a lot of scientists thought it shouldn't have been uh, approved. So, and, and I couldn't agree more with you. I think there is, you know, not only with the FDA, just in general, there's, it seems to be this almost pejorative thought when it comes to uh, alternative remedies, you know, whether you're talking about acupuncture or, you know, even some people, when you mention vegan, uh, they automatically, you know, because that term is associated with, you know, a particular lifestyle, I suppose, they automatically, you know, tend to roll their eyes or not give it as much uh, thought as as they should, because certainly, you know, eating vegetables, <laughs> we, we're all, we all know when we're kids, that's what our mom and dad tell us, eat your vegetables. So, um, you know, I think yeah, there's a lot of room where we can grow. But when we were kids, our mothers, at least my mother did, made all vegetables gray. You know, so they weren't appetizing. I mean, the <laughs> thought of as a 12 year old kid, I can remember being served Brussels sprouts. They looked like gray little balls. Right. And they didn't have anything on them. And when I cook them, I roast them. They're bright green. They're still a little al dente, a little crunchy. Um, and I put a balsamic uh, glaze on them with mustard seed. They're delicious and healthy. Yeah, and I could tell you, pre-pandemic, um, you know, I saw a lot of uh, maybe not vegan, but vegetable-based um, restaurants popping up around the District of Columbia. So it's definitely catching on. And uh, <laughs> I would guess that they're a little more uh, have a little more flavor than what we had when we were kids. Oh, absolutely. And I got to tell you, last night. I, uh, I had a pizza uh, from, uh, I'm going to give them a plug if it's all right. It's called Mod Pizza. I think they're all over the country now. And they put a vegan sausage, Italian sausage, on my pizza. I, I, I requested it. It's delicious. Now, can I tell the difference between that and the sweet Italian sausage I get at, at my local uh, del Italian deli? Absolutely. The, the taste is, is much better from the Italian deli. But this, but I know this is healthier for me. There's not as much fat. Um, it's, it's better for the planet. So, yeah, I, you know, it's, it, it, things are, are, are changing rapidly. And I'm trying to eat plant-based at least once a week. I have for a while. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think, you know, if more people follow that mentality, we probably have uh, a lot healthier people. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on Politics and Life Science Radio. I know you're very busy, but appreciate you sparing a few moments to talk with us and provide us with that information. Uh, and thank you for joining us today, listening to Politics and Life Science Radio. This is Dean Finelli. Thank you again and have a great week and be healthy. Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli. For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences.